describe love. And I want to use them today to make my point that love is multifaceted and the way we are informed in our culture about love is primarily Hollywood. And I want to suggest to you today that Hollywood lies to us about what true biblical love is. So to make that point, again, our two Forest Hillers, one of them over the last several years having been exposed firsthand to Hollywood's reality shows and what Hollywood has to say about what love is. The other is an elder in the church called Forest Hill. Uh, he has been an elder for a couple of years, is a great man of God. They have met, their relationship has grown to the point of engagement. I wanted them to share their story, so may I invite now to the stage with me Emily Maynard of Bachelor and Bachelorette fame, sadly, as she'll tell in just a moment, and also Tyler Johnson, her fiancé and elder at Forest Hill. Would you welcome them to our platform here today? Hello, my friend. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for doing this three times. <laughs> I really you appreciate would think that. You'd be less nervous. Uh, okay. The, nervous. the third time's the charm. They're really going to get the best one, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. Good. Well, it's really a joy to have you here, and your story is powerful. It's riveting, and I hope it will also help exalt the Lord Jesus Christ because I know that's our heart's desire with this message today. I want to go through the four loves that are talked about in the New Testament and go through each one and how each one's necessary to have a full understanding of what God's view of love really is. The first word is storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. It means family love. It's the kind of love that a mom and dad have toward their kids, uh, that you have toward your aunts and your uncles and your extended family out there. So, Emily, let me start with you so people can get to know you a, a bit. You're a West Virginian, aren't you? I am. I'm a coal miner's daughter from West Virginia. Okay. Um, I have a brother, and we grew up going to church, and um, it wasn't met without a fight between my brother and I, and we looked at our faith in Jesus Christ as more of like a genie in the bottle where we'd kind of ask for things, and that's about it. And then when you don't get it, you get mad at the exactly. genie and why it didn't come through for you. So really CNE Christians, as we jokingly call them, Christmas and Easter Christians, the yeah. depth of a personal relationship with Christ wasn't really planted in your hearts. Right. But a great mom and dad, loving, kind, still together in marriage. Um, they are actually divorced okay. now, um, but they are their um, best friends and just um, amazing. They've been good to you and an important part of Storge, your family oh, yeah. love. Oh, yeah. Okay. You moved to Charlotte uh, as a teen after high school, right? Mm -hmm. What I brought did. you here? Um, well, I uh, got engaged and uh, moved here the day I graduated and just, you know, fell in love with the city and thought I'm going to spend the rest of my life here with the person that I was engaged to. And you were engaged to Ricky Hendrick, his mom and dad, Rick and Linda Hendrick, Rick Hendrick of NASCAR mm -hmm. fame. And Ricky was actually involved in NASCAR himself, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. And you think he's your life's soulmate mm -hmm. and he's going to be the one you spend the rest of your life with. And then you have a tragic Sunday experience that many of us have read about and know about. Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, we traveled to the racetrack every weekend and uh, woke up one Sunday and it was really cloudy and um, the plane didn't make it to the racetrack. And what's really interesting about the story that many might not know is you were supposed to be on that plane. I was and uh, I woke up that morning and had morning sickness. Well, we thought I was just had the flu or something, uh, but it turned out I had morning sickness. Yeah, and you discovered that uh, with the deaths having happened on Sunday, you discovered on Friday, Friday. of that week mm -hmm. that you were going to have a child, Ricky's child. Yes. 
And so your world is turned within a short time period upside down. What's going on in your heart after you learn that Ricky and members of the Hendrick family, other race car team members, have died in this tragic accident? Um, I, I, it's really, I look back and it is such a blur. And I think that that's God, God's protection for me. Um, that I, so I can just kind of, you know, move on from that and not stay in there because I think a lot of people do. Um, but I just remember feeling so lost and kind of mad at God, actually really mad at God, but also, um, feeling like he gave me back a piece of him and gave his whole family back a piece of him by, um, blessing me with a daughter. And Ricky is that daughter. She's now eight years of age. She is. Uh, she let's is. talk some about the, your Storge family that really cared for you. Obviously, your mom and dad, but they're in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. We should note, I think, that Rick and Linda Hendrick uh, were very essential to your oversight, development, and care during this time of crisis. They have been angels in my life even before then. And his sister Lynn and everybody, they're just, I see no difference between them and my own family. I um, see them weekly and uh, they're just angels mm. well Linda Hendrick I heard one time say that for her the Bible was like a meal and she was always hungry and would eat literally the Word of God and could never be filled she just wanted more and more and more and I know she planted within you seeds of faith and the Word of God and beginning to point you toward Christ right she really did mm -hmm. Marvelous, wonderful person, and Rick, too, and uh, just want to pl give plaudits to them, caring for you as the Storge family that we all need. Uh, Tyler, your family, you're uh, South Florida, is that correct, and moved up to Hickory? We is did. that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, you have brothers? I do. I have three brothers. My Storge is actually in the house right now. They're Really? Right there, oh, okay. Yeah. There they are. Great. Hey, and, Mom. Love yeah. you. <laughs> and, and your mom and dad married and a great role model for you and what you want in marriage and all of that. Uh, yeah, my parents are still married. Um, they, Yeah, they live out that beautiful truth. My three brothers are my best friends. And, um, yeah, that's I, I had a great family. Brothers are football players. One of them plays in the NFL. Is that correct? Yeah, who dat? I know. He's a saint. I know that freaks yeah, out the Panthers Anybody fans. who's a Panther fan can now boo. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Give it to him. Right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, so he's a saint down in New Orleans. Really proud of him. Um, I've got another one just graduated from Elon University, and I uh, play football there. And then the youngest one is at Wingate University, where I played playing football. And um, I, I think my dad should write, write us a check for all the money we saved him with scholarships. So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. You know, maybe it's possible. The, okay. I just want to make sure that he's thankful in every way possible. Right, okay. right, right. Very <laughs> humble, very humble. Um, the Storgay family has always been there for you, cared for you, loved you, and you see the importance of the extended family always being a part of your life and promoting a biblical understanding of love. It's critical, yeah. I mean, we, um, it's a good way to be in community. That's, you, I've heard you call it, and John Edwards call it the little church. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's critical. It's very Microcosm of the macrocosm. And rootlessness is a huge problem in our American culture. We move around a whole lot, so we don't have the Storge family oftentimes. So if you're in the body of Christ, wherever that may be, if it's Forest Hill, find older mentors who are living out life the way you need it to be lived. Connect to them and try to get an extended family through the family of God, no matter where you may be. And that's important, isn't it? Oh, sure, yeah. That's, uh, it's been critical for my development, surrounding myself with good godly men that, you can hold on to and see see those men living out the faith and living out their lives. So, yeah, it's critical. So, Storge love is the first one that's mentioned biblically. It's a part of y'all's life. You want it to continue to be a part of your life, as you should. The next word in the Bible is eros, E-R-O-S. Uh, it is the word from which we get erotic. It means physical attraction. Uh, if you want to read a deliriously, physically 
challenging book about a love relationship read the song of solomon it is absolutely scintillating in every possible way it shows that sex was god's idea it's wonderful there's supposed to be attraction between people that's what draws families to come and be created in fact i'll never forget one of my seminary professors right after i had met marilyn and i was telling him about having met her he looked at me with those piercing blue eyes and he said david is there some fizz in your physical <laughs> see seminary profs can be real okay huh and i said absolutely and he looked at me and said that's very good <laughs> so there needs to be fears in the physical there needs to be eros uh, in the relationship the problem is i think hollywood has defined our understanding of love and it only takes seriously eros and, and as I understand Hollywood's view of romance, it's basically as long as I feel love, I'm in love. As long as my circumstances are great, I'm in love. But the moment I don't feel love, I'm out of love. And the moment my circumstances change or you might change, I'm out of love. And nothing could be farther from biblical truth. And Emily, you have learned this probably as well as anyone after Ricky's death, you're trying to reestablish your life here, you get an invitation to be on the reality program, The Bachelor. How did that happen? I did. My girlfriend nominated me because uh, she was tired of hearing me complain about being single. And um, I, I thought, you know, why not? I'm young and it's for such a short amount of time and maybe this was a, do a door that God was opening to lead me to the person I was going to be with forever. So you thought the program might lead you to Mr. Right. Uh, and, and you're falling prey to the lie, too, that you're trying to find meaning by meeting someone and filling that hole in your heart. You know, Jerry Maguire quote that movie where someone's, one of them says, you complete me. Yeah. It's not true, is it? No, not at all. And I learned that the hard way, yeah. for sure. I think that I was... I had such a hole in my heart and something, knew something was missing and I thought it could be fulfilled through a man or a relationship and just being chosen. And eventually I was, but I still had an even bigger hole in my heart and just knew that that wasn't what I was looking for. Yeah, and, and the emphasis on The Bachelor was feelings mm -hmm. and it's pretty easy to have feelings when they're flying you all over the world yeah. to these exotic locations. Yeah, you know, I'm in a helicopter going to a private beach and um, have that's the center of the show is falling in love so I, I, I felt a lot of pressure and I thought I did but you came back from that experience still empty mm -hmm. and one of the reasons I really admire Tyler and Emily a lot is you know again both of them are a part of our family of faith here called Forest Hill and we do a lot of ministries of outreach to the impoverished the needy uh, one of the places that's most needy in our local community is Quail Hollow Middle School it's just hard to believe that a mile down the road on Park Road to the left is one of the most deprived schools in all of CMS and in fact they have an 80 90 percent free lunch program which suggests a lot of their kids don't even have enough money to pay for their meals so we've started something called Falcon Fun Night uh, going down there regularly to build relationships with those kids and their families and try to help them in many many different ways from finances to you know, basic academics and uh, Tyler had a real heart for this because of his faith in Christ and Emily did too so you guys are going down there to serve together is that where you met mm -hmm. that's where we met yeah we um, that was something God really put on my heart when when I started walking with the Lord was the poor and, and serving the city and so we got involved with Forest Hills Outreach there and we had never met each other and I walk in I guess the first night and said who is that beautiful blonde that's in here serving? So yeah. And she looked at you and said, 
Wow. Uh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Come on, thou shalt not bear false witness. That's one of the big ten around here. Okay. No, but he was. He was so good looking. I was intimidated, and I couldn't even make eye contact with him. I was so oh, nervous. Oh, you're good. You're smooth. You really are. That's good, Emily. Yeah, she's okay. making that up. Build that relationship. I like it. Okay. Um, and so you are serving down there together, um, and you're enjoying that relationship. But at this point, uh, there's some fizz in the physical. There's some eros. There's some attraction going on. But really, it didn't go much of anywhere at that point, did it, Tyler? It didn't. Um, I, I thought I was being called to singleness for a long time. So when God kind of put marriage on my heart in a family, I started to study it and really try to understand what biblical marriage looked like. And I knew it was important to, and believe that it was important to build that foundation of friendship before uh, we really started launching into dating. So we got to know each other really well at Quail. And um, I'd just gotten out of a, a relationship and I wanted to just take the time to really work on my walk with the Lord. And so we didn't start dating at all. We got to know each other. I would go into her class, maybe a little bit more than the other classes yeah, I was supposed I bet, to be going huh? in. <laughs> and so we'd get to know each other. We would talk. I would carry her jewelry out from her class out to oh, her car. Oh, you're smooth. You're good. smooth. You're good. It was I good. like that. I know. Huh? I know. And so we'd get to talk there, and I got to meet Ricky. And so we just built this, this beautiful foundation and, of friendship. And this is six months that's going on like this, but then during the time period that y'all are just friends and there's nothing really going on, you get a second invitation to go on the reality program called The Bachelorette, where you're the big deal. You're the main focus yeah. of the program. Talk about that. I did. Um, I had been asked before, and I said, no way. Uh, and then they came back about a year later, and I, I started to play around with the idea, and I thought, you know, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the door that God is opening. And Try a second time. Yeah, right? yeah. And, um, you know, nobody in my family understood why, and I still really don't understand why, but I prayed about it, and I had peace about it, and I knew that, you know, God was going to see it for good, and I did. I had such peace about it. And um, going through it, I, I started to question it a lot. And you're now a celebrity. I mean, 500,000 Twitter followers mm -hmm. follow you. I mean, that is unbelievable. You, you become a real icon of American pop culture at that point. And yet you go through the whole experience with, you know, the pledge of yourself and marriage and all of that business. Mm -hmm. And you come back to Charlotte and what's going on? I have never felt so lonely and empty and um, just lost. I would go in the grocery store and see my face on all the magazines saying the most awful, hurtful, untrue true things. And, you know, honestly, like the first things that go to my mind are all the people that are going to see it. And like, oh my gosh, David Chadwick's going to see this. My pastor is going to see this. <laughs> As if I read that stuff, is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd go and I'd like turn all the magazines over. And um, I, 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 was, I was in the fetal position for a, a long time after that and just wondering how I got... Um, the message from God so wrong because it was clearly not what he wanted for me. Yeah, I really want to emphasize that because Emily told me that and I heard it and uh, we said it clearly the first two services that when you came back to Charlotte, you spent about three weeks in the fetal position just mm -hmm. crying yeah. and humiliated, embarrassed, so embarrassed that you would put yourself through that kind of an experience. Mm -hmm. Yet, I believe with all my heart, there's no person who walks closely with Christ who's not severely broken who's emptied of self and all the things of this world that don't really matter. But that's what was going on with you, wasn't it? It really was. And I, um, one of the coolest things that my relationship with Jesus Christ did was erase all of that shame and embarrassment mm. and, and, and just 
give me such grace mm -hmm. and, and allow me to kind of start over and, um, and, and not carry that with me everywhere. Is anybody here excited about the fact that Jesus Christ is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance? Aren't you pleased that God gives us that, gave Emily that? Um, so, so you're picking your life back up together. Now, one thing that we need to share that's really funny uh, is right before you go on The Bachelorette, Tyler's walking with you, the jewelry, to the car with Ricky, okay? And you turn to him and tell him what? I told him that I was a glutton for punishment and going to go back on the show again. And what are you thinking? I was devastated because here I'm like, <laughs> okay, this, this woman's great. You know, we're building this good foundation. This is great. And then she's like, oh, I'm going back on The Bachelorette. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And, and, and you're not sure he's even interested in you at this point. I thought I was totally in the friend zone and he could not be less interested in me because he hadn't asked my phone number or anything. You didn't ask for a phone number? That no, was weird. This, you are one dumb me, dude. I don't mind telling you. Like, this. Guys, I don't know why. Yeah, this is horrible. But anyway, so I finally said, well, okay, this is, this is awful. Why would you go back on the show? I'm so devastated. And I said, well, let me get your number. We'll stay friends. And if you're not engaged when you come off the show, we'll, we'll reconnect. So, and she looked at me and said, well, it's about time. And I'm like, what have I done? You know, like, I knew I should have gone in earlier. You know? So you come back after the show. You're, you go through your brokenness and your, your sense of humility. And um, you know, you have his number. So did you contact him back first or did he contact you yes. first? That, that's yes. A, that's kind of, I <laughs> don't we know. We debate this. <laughs> they all come back, David. I told you that. I mean, they all, like, they find their way. Whoa, back, you're going to you need know? some yeah. good marriage counseling here, brother. Okay. <laughs> it's just me. Okay. Yeah. Bottom line is you reconnect, okay? Yes. And, yeah. and so at that point, then you take the real step toward getting serious toward one another, which leads to the third love, which is philea. P-H-I-L-E-A. And uh, there are two Greek words, phileia and adelphos. The word adelphos means brother. The city, Philadelphia, comes from those two Greek words, phileia and adelphos, the city of brotherly love. So the third love in the Bible that's talked about is friendship love. It's the love you have towards your closest friend, your closest companion in life. And now you all really begin to develop in depth your friendship love. Talk about that, Emily. Uh, we really did. We just kind of got to know each other and um, would come to church and um, just build on that friendship that we had started, um, you know, a year before. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's been really awesome. He he's quickly became my best friend. Mm -hmm. And you went out together and, and you spent your time just talking and getting to know one another and digging deep into that foundation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really wanted to know who she was. I mean, post-Bachelorette, what, what was her heart? Did you really? see a change? From her going on the program to what she was like when she came back? She, you know, there's a verse you'll read in a second that um, just encompasses the way I felt about her, even when I first met her. And it was the same person, but to see how her perspective had changed since the second time being on her show mm -hmm. was amazing. And um, I think she said it best. I mean, like, God sees us as perfect, as, as, as redeemed. And uh, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And so our first date, we just launched into everything. I mean, we talked about our past, our futures, how I came to the Lord, how she came to the Lord. I mean, we just really got to know each other well and didn't feel like, I don't think, I'm sure there was a little bit, but we didn't have to perform for one another. And, you know, we didn't have to put our best foot forward. We could just kind of get to know each other for who we were. And I didn't watch the show, so I didn't bring any preconceived notions about what the show was. So or you who. didn't watch the show I didn't at all. watch the show. Okay, no. interesting. So, 
It was great. We just got to be best friends, and yeah, yeah it served us well. Well, Emily, I know you know this verse, and you and Tyler actually read it together as you were developing your relationship. First Peter chapter 3, verse 4, Peter instructs women, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit in which is in God's sight is very precious. And as I've heard both of you talk, you really made a commitment, though both of you are attractive, obviously, but you made a commitment to be a godly person from the inside out. Because the truth is, you guys know it, and most of us know it, gray hair comes, doesn't it? Joints start to ache, don't they? We get Dunlop's disease, our bellies Dunlop over our belts, you know, and, and we change a lot. That happens, and, but you decided to be this kind of woman, to be a person of the inner quality of the heart. Would you talk about that, son? Yeah, I, I, I realized that I didn't want to be known as that girl from that dating show. I didn't want to be known as the bachelorette. I wanted to be known as somebody that really reflects Christ's love for others and um, gives that grace to others and um, for people to be able to look at me and just know that I love the Lord with all my heart just by my actions and by my words and how I love others. So instead of trying to find the right person, you made a commitment to become the right person. Exactly. You made a commitment to seek first the kingdom of God, then trust God with the other things. And that's when you guys really began to grow deeper in your friendship with one another. And phileo, folks, is so important, especially in marriage, as some of you heard me say before. It is easy to leave your spouse. It is impossible to leave your best friend. And you guys have developed that, which leads to the fourth love, which is the one I want to emphasize mostly, and that's agape, A-G-A-P-E. It's interesting, in the early church, the Greeks who had this word, which means total unconditional acceptance of another person just the way he or she is, the Greeks wouldn't use that word. They thought it was impossible for humans to attain. They thought only the gods could attain it. Well, the Christian community comes along, and it's the word they choose to describe the love of Christ for us. That while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. That Jesus didn't wait for all of us to become perfect before he died on the cross. Isn't that good news? That he loved us unconditionally, seeing the good in each one of us, wanting to redeem and restore and make us new creatures in his love. And so that agape is what Jesus was talking about in John the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35, when he wrote these words. A new commandment I give to you, that you agape one another. Just as I have agaped you, you also are to agape one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have agape for one another. To me, the key words there are, as I have loved you, as I have agaped you. You know, Jesus loved us to the point of going to a cross and dying for us. Now love each other with that same kind of love. Forgive each other with that same kind of forgiveness. Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, once said, great marriages are made up of two great forgivers. She is so right because we step on each other's toes. We need to ask for forgiveness. And you guys have now moved into that agape realm, both of you entering into a deep relationship with Christ, him changing you from the inside out, and that's the glue that is beginning to bring you more and more together. Emily, would you talk about some of what you and Tyler do spiritually to help make that life in Christ real in your relationship? Uh, we pray together every day, and um, he's really been great in helping me enforce that in Ricky's life and uh, we read together every day and we come to church and we serve together but um, more than anything we really just try to live it out and and give each other the same grace that Jesus gives us and forgive each other even when it's really hard and um, just love each other. Mm -hmm. 
You know, in the Bible, Tyler, it says the men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their families. That makes some men gulp and get afraid. It isn't that big a deal. All we are supposed to do is to initiate the spiritual life with our beloveds. And you've tried to do that with Emily, too, haven't you? Certainly, yeah. I mean, for me, um, you know, when, when that, that verse is just, it, it's so radical. I mean, you As know. As I have loved you, now love one I mean, another. the claims of Christianity are so radical, and you have to determine what to do with those claims. And uh, you have this first century Jew that steps on the scene and claims to be God. And you've got congregations that pour into churches and celebrate this man. So, I mean, is he what, was he who he said he was? And if he was who he said he was, then that changes everything about the way you live your life. And the fact that a God that created the universe looks on me is so broken and, and ugly and just a deep center and says, you're perfect, you know, you're righteous, and there's no condemnation for you. It's that's easy for me to live that out for my wife, and I say it's easy, it's certainly not easy. I'm sure most married men can, can attest to that. But um, you know, we do that well for each other, I think, as we show each other that grace and we speak truth to one another in love, and then certainly try to uh, stoke the Holy Spirit by praying and reading scripture together and worshiping together and, and doing those things. And I've shared often the, the study from a Northeastern secular institution which says the couples that pray together, read the Bible together, worship together, and serve together, the divorce rate is one out of over 3,000. One out of over 3,000 in a culture where it's one out of two generally. It makes a difference to be glued together spiritually. It's what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, that which God has joined together, no person can separate. God is spirit, as Jesus said in John 4 and other places. If God is spirit, then what he wants to do is enjoin hearts spiritually, which is what you're doing. And when that happens, there's no flesh and blood person who can ever tear you apart. It's just tacitly impossible. So you guys now have moved in your agape toward a lifelong permanent commitment to one another. Tyler, you've asked Emily to be your bride. Tell everyone how you did that. Oh, man, you guys got a second? Um, okay, so we did premarital counseling here at Forest Hill, which is an amazing resource, a care and counseling Please use here. it engage couples. I mean, and for anything, resource. I mean, you have questions, this is like a s shameless plug for the care and counseling, but uh, just a, a great resource here that's completely free. So anyway, we, um, we, we used the care and counseling center to do our premarital counseling prior to engagement. We both felt like that was important. I'd heard other couples doing that and seeing the fruits of that. So we did that. It was amazing. We were able to really vet the relationship, put all of these things on the table, uh, force uncomfortable conversations. So we got through that, and uh, we talked to all of our parents, got blessings from uh, both her in-laws and her immediate family, talked to my family. And, um, and then I started to, this sounds overly spiritual, but started to pray about how I should propose and had like grandiose ideas and then simple ideas. And so what landed, else, how did it happen then? Landed with a simple one. So we came back from a, a vacation. I went over to the girls' house early in the morning and told them I was there to cook them breakfast and put them back to put them back to bed and then I had candles and flowers and this sounds so cheesy doesn't it it's brutal so cheesy I, I even had a scrapbook <laughs> a scrapbook yeah, this is real there's like photo corners on scrapbooks have you seen yeah. those yes yeah, it's, it's it was you embarrassing. put together a scrapbook yeah it was bad okay so anyway so I put all this stuff together and um, I had a three theme for the three of us because I mean, we're gonna be an immediate family I know I know just bear with me. I'm not done yet. It gets better. It gets Every better. guy in here is upset with you right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. My brother's going to be like, you're such a clown. <laughs> um, 
So then I had the Bible open to the classic marriage text, Ephesians 5. So I brought the girls down. We read through Ephesians 5. And then I went through some things with the girls, and we reminisced. We went through all these pictures. And I had some journals that I had journaled to her where God was speaking to me about her and Ricky. And had some things for Ricky, things she had given me, things I had given the girls, uh, ticket stubs, the badge from Falcon Fun Night, all those things. This was good, y'all. You're, this you're was good, real. fella. You really are. You're very good. And then you had a ring for Ricky, too, didn't I had you? a ring for Ricky. Um, in fact, I looked at Ricky and said, this is from some help here, but I said, Ricky, with your permission, I'm going to ask your mom to be my wife. And Ricky goes, yes, you know, and throws her hands up. And then I said, I've got a ring for you, too. And she goes, yeah, I know. And she had already had it on her finger. <laughs> and uh, so then, then I got down and, and asked, asked him when he married me. So. And you obviously said yes. And you're now an immediate dad. Does that intimidate you at all? Immediate dad. Number one, it's so much fun. I mean, you know, I became an immediate. I knew she had a daughter from day one, you know, so I took that very seriously. And then you know, we also had a lot of fun with that. But no, I mean, God adopted me, you know, and I, that's um, just a privilege to serve the girls in that way and, uh, and to give Ricky that here on earth. And um, it, I'm, I'm privileged to have a double blessing with both her and, and Ricky. So, Emily, um, yeah, that is neat. Thank you. Okay. The, the skeptic out there who watches the reality programs and might get online and say some more nasty stuff about you would say, Y'all watch oh. out, now it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the, what, fourth one, isn't it? I mean, aren't you, I know, I mean, right? are you a commitment phobic? Counting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> are you a commitment phobic person? I mean, how do we know this one's going to last? How, how would you answer that? Um, the only way I can answer it is by saying that this is, this relationship is totally Christ-centered and, um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know how to, I don't don't even know how to put it into words, but I never had peace about those relationships and it was more like I was trying so hard to make it acceptable to God and, 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 and to, to get him to bless that relationship. But I just knew that it wasn't right. Um, until I met him, and, and it just happened so naturally, and everything in my heart tells me that God has such a great plan for us as long as we keep him first and just keep loving each other in that same way that God loves us. And you really would say, bottom line, Jesus Christ makes a difference. Of course. Personally absolutely. and in a marriage, too, and he's the center of the marriage. Yes. And Tyler, just real quickly, the, the whole idea of idolatry. And in the American culture, we have so many idols that we are good things, not bad things like work and trying to succeed and all that kind of thing. But when they become the ultimate, that's when it becomes an idol and it's wrong. And you and Emily have really tried hard to make Jesus your primary focus and then let the rest of the things fall in line. Yeah, everybody is living out an ultimate absolute truth, even when you may not know it. And um, that was one of the beautiful things I think about Emily's story is that she came through this uh, experience, um, idolizing marriage and relationships, and uh, be able, was able to gain the perspective on both that and a celebrity culture, and, and then come out of that with, hey, none of that's important to me. Like, what I really believe is, is in the power, redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And that was the same for me. I came from a competitive um, background where I idolized achievement and success, and God was able to expose that. And again, you have to determine what is true of the world. And if uh, this first century Jew who claimed to be God really was God, and um, no historians uh, or not a lot of historians debate that he was both lived, died, and, and then they couldn't produce a body. 
you know, what, what happened to him. And, and if Jesus was really resurrected, if he really was God, and you believe that is your ultimate truth, you're going to live that out. And, and you're going to live that out in your commitment, in your agape love for one another, um, in making disciples. All that stuff is going to flow naturally out of yourself. And, and, um, and your, your heartbeat is not to be in the public eye, really, anymore. You did this yeah. as a gracious gift to Forest Hill, and thank you for it. But this is not your desire, is it? No. Um, this is actually my worst nightmare, getting up in front of all these people. And I was trying to find any way possible to get out of it because I'm, you know, more shy and uh, not very good at this kind of thing. He's much better at it, better at it obviously. That's totally not <laughs> um, But I, uh, I kept praying about it, and I kept on hearing the Lord tell me, you know, do it. And, and this is what he wanted for both of us. So. Well, I'm going to pray that God will give you platforms you. as he leads, but only to exalt Jesus and to expose the lies of the Hollywood view of love and to give to people the biblical view of love, which is storge family, eros, phys, thalea, best friends, and agape in Christ, becoming one. In fact, would all of you now stand, if you're able, and let me read to you the only biblical definition of agape. It's powerful, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of God. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not agape, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not agape, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not agape, I gain nothing. Agape is patient and kind. Agape does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Agape does not insist on its own way. Agape is not irritable or resentful. Agape does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Agape bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape never ends. To Christ be the glory.